Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. I believe this is a word for the seasons, a word for you personally. It's a word for this church. I think it's a word for this nation, a time of supernatural or divine acceleration. And I mean, when you look at this and you think about, well, my goodness, isn't the world going fast enough already? Look at how fast things are moving. Look at the increase in knowledge and in technology and things are going so fast you can't even keep up with it. And then uh, we, we realize that, that we see this in the spiritual realm also. Uh, sometimes people ask the question, do you believe in these last days are things getting better or are they getting worse? And my answer is yes. Yes. Because there's a war going on. And the, and the fact is, is that there, are, there, there is a place of wickedness and, and evil and darkness in the world. Actually that, interesting enough, in recent days is light shining into it. And I thank God for that. I think it's a work of God. It's not political. God is because people are praying and because we're getting back to a place of standing more on God's word and honoring religious liberty God, and honoring Israel and supporting Israel. Because of those things, God has begun to shine light into darkness and is disrupting the enemy. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Uh, and so we see the, the intensity that's taking place on both sides, the, the dark the, the negative, and we're seeing an intensity, uh, intensity in the light, in the good. And I think we're going to continue to see those things happen because as you see the rise of evil and great darkness, you're going to also see among believers, you're going to see believers begin to come together that are not satisfied with status quo anymore. They're not satisfied with just getting by. They're not satisfied with compromise. They want to find out how they can move into a deeper relationship with God and how it can get to be more than just attending a worship service once or twice a week where you can see it ingrained in every area of your life and where you can begin to experience the power of God. There's a church on the rise and I do not intend to be left behind. And I don't intend for cutting life to be left behind. And I know you don't intend to be left behind. We're going to be on the rise, too, of what God is doing. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, when we see everything going so fast, so rapid around us, you know, first we say, whoa, whoa, slow things down. My kids are growing up too fast. And, you know, I see on Facebook from time to time where they go back, you know, three, four, five years ago. And then you've got these mom statements underneath it. They've grown up too fast. Where did my little baby go? Well, that's exactly the way life is. It goes by so fast. And because that's happening and because your schedule gets so busy in the week, the tendency is to feel like you're living under pressure all the time. God doesn't want you and I to live that way where it's always hurry up. He wants us to learn to live in that balance where we trust him, allow the Holy Spirit to lead us where we're not late, where we're on time, where we accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. God will help us do this. But there are some times in life, there are some times in life, right, when it's good to slow down. I mean, sometimes you just need to say, I just, I just need to sit down, I just need to rest there's the reason the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. There's some times to be still, be quiet. There's some times to just slow down and take time to hear God. On the other side of that, 
there are some times that we get stuck, that we feel like we're just dragged down, that everything in our life is, is, is on delay, on pause, that nothing is really unfolding in my life. I've been praying for the same thing for years. I've been living the same day-to-day schedule for years. It seems as if there's a future out there for me and God has things going on, but it doesn't seem as if I'm getting there and I'm getting older and things are happening. And am I gonna cross that point to where I've missed it and all those things that God had for me, I didn't receive. All those things that God wanted to do through me, I didn't do. And so it's easy to allow uh, uh, regret or panic to, to move into our, our thought processes to where we begin to, to think, Lord, I, you know, I, I just don't think I'm ever going to accomplish this. I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to make it. Things are going so slowly. What am I supposed to do? I feel kind of trapped. I feel like I've wasted time. I, I, I don't want to live this way anymore. So we need breakthrough. We need restoration. We need acceleration. Now, accelerate means to go faster, to speed up. And as we mentioned before, there's an acceleration going on in the spirit world. We all understand, without getting spooky, that there is a spiritual realm that is real, in fact, more real than this physical realm. It's eternal. And in the spiritual realm, there is, uh, there's good, there's God, there's holiness, there's perfection. And then there's the realm of, of darkness and evil and rebellion and Satan. And, and there is a constant warring going on between those spiritual realms or place there of, of powers. And when we look at spiritual acceleration, we see that that actually is, is what's taking place. <clears throat> That there are things happening in the spiritual world and in, in the darkness. You know, the Bible says that, that, that we don't really fight against flesh and blood. It's not about flesh and blood enemies. It's about what? It's about spiritual wickedness, principalities, powers, spiritual powers in the heavenlies. What you begin to see is that the, the physical reflects what's already going on in the spiritual. That's, that's the way it is when it comes to walk of faith. God has already done it. It's already been done, completed. His promises are yes and amen. But they, I, I'm not walking in them. I'm not experiencing them in my life. Is it because God's not answering my prayer? No. It's because we have not learned how to, to effectively reach out into the spiritual realm of God's promises and God's provision and by faith receive it into my life so that it is manifested in the physical. What's happening in the physical is a reflection of what's going on in the spiritual. That, that's why it's so important for us to pray. It's so important for us to to, to uh, look to the Holy Spirit and to understand what God is saying in the spiritual realm. Extremely important word. Remember we went back and it's kind of an intro verse to this when we talk about uh, acceleration. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 36, we mentioned that this is when Hezekiah and the people of Israel, um, 
they, they begin to bring their offerings and they, they are coming, uh, bringing their offerings, submission to the Lord, coming to worship him. And when you pick up in that verse, it says, and Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced because of what God had done for the people for everything had been accomplished so quickly. When paraphrase says, everything happened suddenly, suddenly. It's divine acceleration. Now, I want us to put that definition up again because I want you to look at that very carefully. And I want to repeat this from last week. That when we talk about supernatural acceleration, this is what we're talking about. The supernatural working of God's power and ability in your life, that could be your ministry, your time, your circumstances, to bring, about, to bring things to pass at a much faster rate than humanly possible. It is the spiritual enablement and empowerment that energizes us to accomplish in a short time what would normally take much longer. Last time we said there are some things that hold us back. Your past can hold you back. Living in the past, wrong decisions, sins, disobedience, it can hold you back. You understand that when the nation of Israel, when God delivered them from Egypt and his supernatural freedom that they had, they were set free in order to receive. With their freedom came a promise. God says, we set you free and there is a promised land, Canaan, promised land, whatever term we may use. And God says, I have a place for you. I have given you this. I've given it to you. And so they're to begin their journey there. The problem is, because of their rebellion and disobedience, you know what happened? It took 40 years for them to go on an 11-day journey. Sometimes I think we look at our lives and say, well, I've been walking around the mountain way too long. It shouldn't have taken this long. Your circumstances can also keep you uh, from, uh, from going forward. Your relationships uh, can hinder you. Your attitude, even laziness can hinder you. And I want you to repeat also with me the confession that we, that we uh, said together last week. And so we can get that confession up on the screen there. I think we have it. And I, I, want you to, I, I want you to just say that with me. Say it out loud and take it for yourself. This is a declaration. The Bible talks a lot about declaring things. And so I want you to declare this together. Are you ready? Here we go. I believe I will see supernatural acceleration in my life. Breakthrough is coming. Things will happen suddenly. I will be at the right place at the right time, meeting the right people to accomplish God's purpose in my life. The blessings and favor of God will overtake me. I want to suggest that you get that down, you know, leave it up there long enough in case people are jotting it down there or, or if you listen to the message on the, uh, on archived, on the, you can get it uh, online. But I would suggest you take this and... Uh, Perhaps use this every morning. Uh, in your prayer time, you begin to pray before the Lord. Make this kind of confession. Make it before the Lord. Make it, get it down inside of you. Uh, it's time to move forward. It's time to make up for lost time. So today, for the next few minutes, we're going to look at the spirit of acceleration. 
And of course, as we'll build upon this next week, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the Spirit of God, the power of God, the Spirit of acceleration. I'm going to go to two examples in the Scripture. The first one is an Old Testament example, and the next one is a New Testament example. And we're going to learn some things here, I believe, that will speak to us in our own lives. Maybe, maybe we won't experience what these men actually experienced, but I think we will experience the miraculous in our life for God to get us from one place to another and to accelerate our life. So, let's go to the Old Testament, and we're going to pick up with Elijah. Now, let me intro this. We're going to begin with verse 41, but let me kind of intro this or get us to that point. We understand that uh, uh, Ahab and Jezebel, the king and queen, were evil, wicked people. That the prophet Baal was the primary, uh, was the primary god that they worshipped, the idol. And what has happened because of their rebellion, they've experienced three and a half years of drought. And they are starving and they are desperate. And we come to a climax when on the top of Carmel, on top of Mount Carmel, that we have a gathering, I think a large gathering of people, and there's a showdown. I call it fire on the mountain. There's a showdown. And essentially, it's a showdown between Elijah and the true and living God and Baal and uh, and the prophets of Baal and the false god Baal. So the contest is you build an altar. You build an altar here. Get the wood, get it together, build an altar. But you call down, if, you've got the, if your God is real, call your God, call upon your God to send fire and consume this. So it begins and the prophets of Baal begin to cry out and scream and and. And, and, and uh, to their God to, to bring fire, fire, come down. They, and it continues hour after hour into the, into the day. They begin cutting themselves and, and, and doing all sorts of, of manner to try to coerce or get their God to respond to their call. And then, of course, Elijah begins to kind of mock them and say, where's your God? Hey, by the way, where is your God? Is he asleep? Is he out of town? You know, and so, so finally, no success there. But then he says, okay, you supply, build, build an altar. Let's, let's build an altar and I, I want you to dig a trench around it, fill it with water. I want you to fill it with water, fill it with water, fill it with water. And I want you to, to, to get the wood wet, covered with water. And then he cries out to the living God and fire comes down on the mountain and consumes the sacrifice the wood, the offering, consumes it all and even dries up, laps up the water that's there. And of course, you could understand how many people would fall on their face and say, Elijah's God is the true God. He is the true God. So, uh, so there was a, a, an amazing event that took place there. Of course, after that, the prophets of Baal were actually killed or slaughtered. And, and Elijah was, was involved in carrying about that, uh, uh, that judgment. Now, then we, we pick up with verse 41. It says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of, there is the roar of, an abundance of rain. Now he didn't see anything. 
I think he was hearing something on the inside of him. I think it was, that, but he says, there's a sound of the roar of an abundance of rain. He was calling those things that were not as though they were. And so Ahab did what Elijah asked him to, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he bowed down on the ground. He put his face between his knees and as he bowed before, looking down, face between his knees, he told his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And so he went up and he looked and he came back and he told Elijah, there's nothing, nothing happening. So he said, go back and look again. And this happened seven times. Seven is the word for perfection or completion in the scripture. You'll see it over and over again. So seven times he said, go again. Then on the seventh time, there's a cloud, it says, as small as a man's hand out on the sea. And Elijah tells his servant, you need to run, you need, you need to run and tell. You need to tell Ahab to climb into his chariot, hurry up, go back home. If you don't, if you don't do this, the rain is going to stop you. It's going to become so wet that the heavy chariot will not be able to travel through the mud. So soon the sky, this is verse 25, soon the sky was black and clouds and there were heavy clouds and it brought in heavy rain and it says, listen now, it says Ahab left quickly going to Jezreel and Jezreel was inland away from the sea. In verse 46, verse 46, the Lord gave special strength to Elijah or as one version says, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah giving him supernatural strength. He girded his loins, which was taking the, the longer clothing, everything kind of fastening up around his waist so that he could run easier. He girded his loins and ran ahead of Ahab. Now there's something we need to see here that kings had the fastest horses. They were known to always, when they moved with their chariots, they moved with speed. And the Lord supernaturally, supernaturally by the power of his spirit came on Elijah so that it says that he ran ahead of the chariot. I'd like to have seen that. It's like, I'd like to have seen that. He ran ahead of the chariot. 20 miles to Jezreel. And Jezreel was actually known as the, as the city of, of chariots. He ran ahead of him. Now you think he would run alongside and say, can I have a ride or what that, but he ran ahead of the king. And that has significance. Because you have the showdown and, and the man of God has experienced great victory. He's kind of the hero of the hour in a sense. And he's gone and he's prayed and the drought has been broken and water is coming and now the king is moving away to Jezreel. <laughs> and the prophet of God, God supernaturally touches him and he outruns the chariot and he runs ahead of him. As I said, it has significance because in that day, most kings always had a runner that preceded them. And so in a sense, we could say that Elijah in humility came and ran before the king because the king had, 
the king had actually confessed or professed that Elijah's God was a true God. And Elijah came, preceded him, and he did it in humility. There's something about the power of humility that is needed, particularly after you feel like you've won a battle. Particularly if you feel like I'm really spiritually strong, it's important for you to understand the source of that strength and stay humble for the Lord. What a miraculous thing. He outran a chariot. I don't know how many miles an hour that is, but it was supernatural. God can maximize and suspend your time or even, spit up, uh, even speed up your progress. He outran the chariot. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember, we will trust in the name of the Lord. And this is simply saying that supernatural strength outruns human ability and strength. Right? Thank God we don't have to depend just on our own ability. Yes? Yes, amen. And, and you know, Elijah kind of experienced something like this again as far as being catapulted along. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, later on in his life, it says, as they continued talking about Elijah and Elijah, as they continued walking along talking, behold, a chariot of fire with horses of fire appeared suddenly and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Old Testament. Let me take you to a New Testament interesting experience. New Testament. And... Uh, I won't set this up for you. First of all, we're going in, 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 uh, in the book of Acts, and I'm going to begin at verse 26, but let me precede that just a little bit. Uh, here's what had happened. Of course, the church had been birthed, and, and uh, there was an explosion of growth, thousands of people coming to be followers of Christ uh, in, in and around Jerusalem. And, and then there was great persecution that came. And remember Stephen was stoned to death because of his faith, because of his testimony. He was stoned to death. And, uh, and Saul of Tarsus, who was to become the Apostle Paul, was actually there and witnessed that, held the coats of some of those that were stoning him. And it says a great wave of persecution was sweeping over the church of Jerusalem. And what happened then? What happened? They were being persecuted so severely in Jerusalem. It scattered the church. Here's the great thing about that. Now, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but all the other believers, it says it scattered them throughout the region. It brings us back to that verse we use from time to time that says what? The devil meant for harm. God turned in or used it for good. It was amazing to watch that what, when the devil tried to absolutely extinguish Christianity, instead it spread it. It was a push. You know, sometimes... It's not the most pleasant things. Sometimes it's not the most pleasant things. Uh, let me put it this way. Sometimes unpleasant things become necessary to give us a little nudge or push to move where we might have otherwise stayed comfortable, stayed the same. And so good things happened here because out of the terrible persecution, the people scattered. And verse 4 says, But the believers were scattered and they preached the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, wherever they went. And then we're told about the ministry of Philip that crowds listened as he shared the message and miracles and signs following as he preached. 
And after he preached the gospel, demonstration in the power of the Holy Spirit, miracles and signs, a, a testimony here about, here's, here's, here's how the church, here's their response to it. There was great joy in the city. Great joy. You know, there have been some times uh, that, that uh, I've said, Lord, you know, I know with all that you've done, and I know that all of your promises and, and the way you've blessed me, I should be walking in greater joy. There are some times during worship here or while I'm sharing the word that I want to say, oh Lord, that we would all experience great joy. And you know what? You cannot contain great joy. You might be able to contain joy, but you cannot contain great joy. And God wants us to experience that great joy. The apostles, they heard about it. The people, uh, the, the people heard the word and it says the people believed and they were baptized. And it got all the way back to the apostles in Jerusalem, what was going on. They heard about it and they sent Peter and John to check it out, see what was going on. Verse 15 says, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit had not come upon them, they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. And they prayed for them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I don't want to get into any type of doctrinal dissertation there, but this is just one of the many scriptures that tells us that a person can know Jesus Christ as Savior, can even been baptized in water, and may not have experienced or be walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I think the great majority of people live out their Christian lives without the baptism or fullness of the Holy Spirit. They're blessed, the power of God's working in their life, but there is another dimension that they've never, ever stepped into, never, never, ever experienced. And unfortunately, it's been a divisive thing in the church when it should not have been. People talk about the baptism and filling the Holy Spirit and it makes some people angry. Other people, if you don't talk about it, it makes them angry. It's been a divisive issue because the different gifts that will function more in the body of believers, if we are walking uh, and being led by the Holy Spirit and more people are being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And though this is not what the, the real message is all about today in a sense, if we're going to experience this supernatural acceleration in our life, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have, you have to see here that these people had believed on Jesus. They had been baptized in water and the apostles came and said, how... Uh, uh, you know, have, have you received the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? So we, we, we didn't even know about that. They prayed for them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So there is a different dimension of experiencing Christ that is beyond. Sal salvation is wonderful, great. I, I think that though it's not necessary to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in order to be saved, in order to be a Christian, I think that we, we never reach the point of experiencing God's wonderful, full salvation until we learn to walk in that, until we learn to walk in that. And so all these wonderful things are going on. I mean, this is revival. People have been saved. They've been baptized in water. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Revival's taking place here. You know, for me, that'd be kind of a place that I'd like to hang around for a while. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm preaching, everything, people are getting saved. Why would I want to leave a place where wonderful things are happening and my ministry is a success? 
But that wasn't God's plan. Look at the next word, later. Later, an angel of the Lord gave instructions to Philip. And he said, go down south on the desert road. Now, he's in the middle of revival and he's sent to a desert road. Seems to make no sense at all. But this shows the compassion, the mercy of God. He goes south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, worked for, the, for Kandeki or the, the queen, for queen of Ethiopia. He was a eunuch of great authority, the scripture says. Now, he had been to Jerusalem to worship and he was returning home. He was riding in a chariot and reading from Isaiah, the writings of Isaiah. And Philip hears him reading this. He must be close enough there to hear him reading it aloud. And the Spirit told Philip, climb into the chariot. And Philip heard the reading from Isaiah and he said, do you know what you're reading? And the man said, how, how can I know unless someone tells me? That's a good question. How can they know unless someone tells them? Here's what he's reading from Isaiah 53. Here's, here's what the Ethiopian was reading. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before his shearers. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And as you're reading those verses, the eunuch asked Philip, is, is, is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And here's what Philip does. So starting with that scripture, so beginning with this scripture, Philip preached Jesus. And as they rode along, because Jesus is the one that Isaiah is talking about in, in Isaiah 53, he preached Jesus, preached the gospel. And as they rode along, the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Well, no reason. You absolutely can. He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water. That's the favorite proof text used for immersion. <laughs> he went down into the water. And I believe in immersion. I, I'm an immersion supporter. But many years ago, I was in uh, Israel, and, and there were some pictures in some of the ancient churches there, the uh, Greek Orthodox churches. There's some old, old pictures that I, I don't know how long past the church age that they, the, the, the early church age uh, that they were actually painted. But one of them I remember to where the, the Jordan River is there and uh, a person is kneeling there just in the shallow water. <laughs> and this is John the Baptist baptizing and he's got a shell like a shell, larger shell, and he's reaching down in the water and he's dipping and he's pouring it over his head in baptism. So, you know, I don't know what doctrinal, well, I do know the doctrinal stance that whoever painted that picture had. But it, it is not so much about that. But I, I do believe that there was enough water to notice that there's enough to get him to be baptized. So they went down into the water and he was baptized and they came up out of the water. So yes, I, I think he was. I think he was... I think he was ducked. I think he went under. And said, uh, right after that happens, when they came out of the water, get this now, get this, the Spirit caught 
away or snatched Philip away. And the eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Now, wait, Pastor. That simply means that they came up out of the water and Philip hurried along. And while the eunuch was rejoicing, having everything, Philip just walked away quickly and he was gone. I don't believe that. I think this was another supernatural teleporting from one place to another. Because, and one of the reasons is because verse 40 says, it says that, that, that he was snatched away. And then it says, verse 40, that meanwhile, Philip found himself. Didn't say he arrived. It says he found himself. It's like, and he looks around and says, where, where, he found himself. He'd arrived, he'd arrived somewhere. He found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. That's about six miles. And he preached the good news in every town along the way to Caesarea. He was caught away and snatched away by the Spirit some six miles. And he continued preaching. Well, you know those things don't happen anymore. Well, it hasn't happened to me. And my guess is it probably hasn't happened to any of you either. If it did, I'd like to hear about it. But now there have been times, probably for some of you, and I know for me, when I have been carried to another place, but my body hasn't, but my mind, my spirit has. He has transported me to another place. Sometimes that's to assist me in praying. I see things, I know things that are beyond my ability to know here in this physical body. It's not like, it's not like my, my, my spirit's left my body. It's like that the Holy Spirit has helped me to understand and see things in the spiritual realm that's going on. This is not spooky. This is not weird. This is a supernatural power of God to help you to know things that there's no physical way you could really know. It's humanly impossible. Now we say we believe in a miracle working God. We say we have a supernatural God. How dare us limit him in how he works? I'd rather say Lord, you just do it. If you want to do it, Lord, do it. And what God does is always good. It's always best. It's always the right time. It doesn't always make sense to us. But God wants to do supernatural things in our life. So though you may not be transported, body, soul, and spirit to a place, although that would be neat, that would be fun, I think. Just depends on where you end up, I suppose. But that, that would be, be fun. And so he, he's teleported to another place. And there he continues doing what he was doing before. Though it may not happen in the physical realm, may I remind you, now remind you, that what happens in this earthly physical realm is simply a reflection of what's going on in the spiritual realm. And the truth is, you can be teleported or you can be you can be accelerated along the way in spiritual matters in your life and even in matters of your, your livelihood in a new job and 
inventions, in ideas, in opportunities. God can accelerate things that will get you from where you are. He can get you very quickly to where he wants you to be. Now, we have to prepare for that in some ways. We talked about that last week. But God wants to, God wants to transport us more quickly from where we are to where he wants us to be. And that's what I want to say. These are miraculous physical events, but I want to bring this over and say that though your body's not taken somewhere, God wants to escalate things that are happening to you in your spiritual growth. Does that make sense? And I believe he's speaking that for today. I don't, I, I don't know entirely why that is something that's just stirring inside of me, but I, and I don't want to drop, you understand, here, here's, let me say this before I come right down to the end. I got just two or three other things I want to point out before we go. Just because we hear about something and just because we like what we hear and just because we want it to happen, just because we say it's possible for it to happen doesn't mean it will happen. You have to take what God has promised and do something with it. You have to take it, meditate on it, let it become real to you, build it into your spirit band. So it's more real than what's going on around you. Confess it. Say it. Do things that will move you in that direction. Prepare things that, are, that get your life in line with, 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 to be able to hear God and follow him in these ways. Just because we hear these wonderful things from the Lord doesn't mean that we will automatically experience them. There's choices. There's choices for us to make. We... Sometimes in our spiritual walk in our life and even in our career and in things that are happening in our, our personal life, we feel like it, it's, we're, it's just dragging. We, we've been held back. We feel like we've gone, you know, we've gone through season after season and nothing's really happened. Prayed for breakthrough before and never saw it happen. It seems as if God has been silent. You know, I don't know what you've been waiting on. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know what you have been waiting on, praying for or are asking God for wanting. I don't know what that is, but now let me tell you what, God your Father knows exactly where it is. If it's for some, if it's for your family, if it's for increase in your family. I'll be careful when you say this around women, when you say increase in family, you know, we understand if it's for, you know, you've been wanting a child, increase in your family. You want to be able to expand your business. You want your business to be used in a greater way for the kingdom of God. You want to explore some avenues for ministry that the Lord has put you on, the heart, on your heart. All sorts of things. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe you just kind of feel like, you know, well, look, I put my time in. And, and it's easy to feel that way when you've been working at a job, particularly a job that you've just not been crazy about, and you've been working for 20, 30, 40 years there and said, I just can't wait till I can retire. I understand that. I can understand that well. But you may retire from that job, but you don't retire from your Christian faith or your Christian walk. And you don't retire from ministry. In fact, if you get that place where you've got more free time and you're flexible, it can turn you loose to be more effective than ever before because you've got more time. So don't ever retire in your Christian faith. Don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. My role may not remain the same here for 10 or 15 or 20 more years. I don't expect it to. But I'll never retire. 
And you as a believer will never retire. It's from here to heaven. And then it's eternity after that. We don't want to get to heaven and realize that there was so much more. And I kept putting it off and I wouldn't trust God and I waited and I waited and I waited and I said, God, why didn't it happen? And I have an idea that there's sometimes that God says, I was waiting on you. I was waiting on you. Now, I want to give you four things, so don't, don't panic. It's not going to take a long time. I just want to name these. These, are, these build up on last week. They also repeat some of the things we anchored on last week. There's four simple steps in acceleration. And these are so elementary. Sometimes I feel like, well, why in the world share these things? Because everybody knows it already. Well, it's good for us to hear it again. If you already know it, let's know it again. And let's learn to walk in it. Four steps of acceleration. First of all, you must believe God's promises. You must believe what he says. And you must believe that it's for you. It's for you. He means what he says. Secondly, you must pray with expectation. In other words, when you pray, you know, the Bible says when we wait upon the Lord, you renew your strength. You renew your strength. You'll Mount up with wings like eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. Well, you know, when we say waiting in reference to prayer, that means waiting with expectation. It doesn't mean ho-hum praying. What it means is as you're praying, you are expecting things to unfold before you. Important, if you're going to walk in this, when you're thinking about what's ahead of you and the, what you believe God wants to do in your life, when you pray now, don't pray telling God all the problems. Don't pray telling God all that's holding you back. Don't pray giving all the excuses as to why you're not doing it. Don't blame it on anybody or anything else. Pray with expectation that what God has said he will do and you're going to be ready to do it. It's good stuff even if I'm the one that said it. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 24 says, and it will come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are speaking, I will hear. That's fast response. That's acceleration. The third thing is, make sure you remove all those weights and loads and things that are hindering you. Like Elijah girded his loins or pulled up, if he tried to run in, in his clothing the way it was, he could probably tripped and fallen in the mud there, but it was binding him, it was holding him back. And in our Christian life, there can be so many different things, and only you and the Lord knows what that is. Well, there may be some other people that can see it in your life too and recognize it, but you're the only one that can do anything about it. What you need to ask yourself a question this morning, because I need to ask myself, what, what's, hold, what's holding me down? What's, is it some, the Bible talks about, uh, about knowing that there's a great, this is in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, that seeing that there's such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, some people think that's people looking down from heaven, that people that have gone on ahead looking down from heaven. But I think the real emphasis of that is, 
In chapter 11, which is the faith chapter in, in Hebrews, it's naming one after another people of great faith, people of great faith in what they did. Then you move into chapter 12, verse 1. It says, look, with all these people that lived out this great life of faith and you saw how God moved in their life, seeing that we're surrounded by such a witness as this, then you need to lay aside every weight, it says. Lay aside every weight, whatever encumbers you, so that you can run the race and run it to win, run it effectively. It's important for you to do that. Remove, wait, what, what's, what, what's holding you down right now? It can be, uh, it says, the sin that so easily besets you or traps you. For many people, what's holding them back is there's some area of their life that they have not surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. Maybe some little habit, some areas, oh, it's nothing, nothing, no big deal or anything, but it's one thing that you will not lay down, one thing that you'll not give up. It's one thing that you won't submit to him. It may not be anything real terrible, but it's one area that you said, Lord, I'm not going to let you into that area. No, you have everything else. I don't want you to be in that. No, no, I know you still love me. And yes, he does. But Lord, no. And we think by holding on to that, that is good for us. It's crazy that we still believe that after all the, after knowing the Lord for so long, if we lay down whatever that is, whatever God brings into our life to replace it will be much better. Or sometimes when you lay it down, if it's not sin, but still it's kind of holding you back in your mindset, your attitude. When you lay it down, there sometimes says, okay, the Lord says, okay, since you've surrendered to my Lordship and to follow me in how you use this, you can pick it up again. Don't let anything weigh you down. Throw it aside, whatever that is. Then the very last thing is you and I must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to see it done. You must and I must run, move in the power of the Holy Spirit. We will never get there unless we allow the Holy Spirit to be in control and to take us to those places where God wants us to be. Amen.